0: Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, February 25th. Here are election 2020 updates from today's show. The mayor of tiny Burlington, Vermont, was back from Nicaragua in July 1985 and eager to share the good news. The country's Soviet-backed government, forged via armed rebellion, was cutting infant mortality, reducing illiteracy, and redistributing land to peasant farmers. Its Sandinista leaders, branded terrorists by the U.S. government, impressed him with their intelligence and sincerity. Three years later, Bernie Sanders was fresh off the plane from Moscow, where he had honeymooned, reveling in the beauty of the land and the contentedness of the people. And a year after that, he returned from Cuba, having tapped into a revolutionary spirit that he called far deeper and more profound than I understood it to be. With Sanders now surging to the top of the Democratic presidential field, those three decade old impressions introduced a volatile new element in the race Monday as rivals reacted to Sanders' decision to defend those past remarks, not disclaim them. Asked about his favorable reviews of Fidel Castro's Cuba during a 60 Minutes interview that aired Sunday night on CBS, Sanders said the communist leader deserves criticism for the authoritarian nature of his government and praise where it's due, including for what he called a massive literacy program. The comments offered instant fodder for opponents who had already been sharing the old clips and highlighted the risk to a candidate with a track record of sympathy for communist and socialist governments that's unlike any other recent or really ever Democratic nominee. Rivals seized on the videos to portray the senator from Vermont as naive, a possible preview of attack lines ahead of tonight's Democratic debate here in Charleston, and of the barrage Sanders is likely to endure in the general election, if he makes it that far. Mike Bloomberg said Fidel Castro left a dark legacy of forced labor camps, religious repression, widespread poverty, firing squads, and the murder of thousands of his own people. But sure, Bernie, let's talk about his literacy program. Pete Buttigieg compared Sanders to Trump, saying that after four years of giving dictators a pass, the United States needs a president who will be extremely clear in standing against regimes that violate human rights abroad. The fact that Sanders' long-ago travels in the communist world have become an issue in the 2020 race reflects how unorthodox a choice he would be to lead the Democratic Party. Sanders has promised to remake the party in his far-left image as a democratic socialist, and he argues that his vision for a political revolution is best exemplified by thriving democracies, first-world societies like Denmark. Yet, in the 1980s, during the dying days of the Cold War— Sanders indulged a fascination with far more disruptive and divisive strains of a socialist ideology he's embraced throughout his adult life. Returning home from visits to some of the U.S.'s most avowed enemies, Sanders offered some criticism, but also plenty of praise in Vermont community television recordings. Many of these videos have been in storage for decades, including during his 2016 campaign. And even after they've been posted online over the last few months, they've remained relatively unknown. Now, Sanders' comments are coming back to life, His opponents say that his warm feelings toward his hosts decades ago make him vulnerable to attack and reveal a soft spot for left-wing despots. Sanders has consistently pushed back against accusations that he was duped, insisting that his travels were about building bridges and avoiding conflict. His campaign says in a statement that Sanders is proud he spoke out against, quote, Ronald Reagan's Dirty Wars. Sanders isn't the first would-be president to confront scrutiny over long-ago travels. Remember back in 1992, Bill Clinton faced questions over his 1969 trip to the Soviet Union. John Kerry, the Democrat's 2004 nominee, took heat from the GOP for a 1985 visit to Nicaragua, the same year that Sanders visited. But Clinton was in Moscow as a student tourist, while Kerry went to Managua as a senator, preparing to vote on whether to back Reagan's plan to spend millions of dollars funding the ruling Sandinista's rivals, the Contra's. While there, Kerry challenged the government over its curbs on individual liberties, and he carried back to Washington a proposal for peace. The reasons the mayor of Burlington, which has a population of 38,000, would repeatedly cross the world's great geopolitical chasm are less straightforward. Sanders' infatuation with revolutionary left-wing movements, particularly those in Latin America, was longstanding, and it became a key feature of his stint as mayor. He has recalled feeling Very excited by Castro's 1959 revolution, which played out during his teens. As a college student at the University of Chicago, he was a member of the Young People's Socialism League. He spent his 20s and 30s as a radical activist, failed third-party candidate, and sometime carpenter. But it wasn't until Sanders became mayor in 1980 at the age of 39 that he began putting his ideas into practice. And while many of his local policies hewed to the conventional... He redeveloped the city's waterfront, and he attracted a minor league baseball team. His forays into foreign policy stand out. At the time, the Reagan administration was zealously fighting the Cold War, and Democrats on Capitol Hill were following along largely in principle, if not always in the particulars. Sanders saw an opportunity to transform Burlington into what he said at the time was the de facto capital for an alternative foreign policy, one that viewed the left-wing revolutions less as a threat than as an opportunity. In the early years of his mayorality, that meant organizing a referendum, disavowing U.S. support for the military regime in El Salvador, and condemning the U.S. invasion of Grenada, which toppled a communist government. Later, once he had proved himself adept at administering the city and got comfortably reelected, it meant more and more travel to countries regarded as adversaries in Washington. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. If you want to hear full episodes, find The Daily 202 every weekday morning wherever you get your podcasts.